I want you to open your heart and your mind and listen to what I believe the Spirit of God wants to say to us. So if you turn to the book of Mark chapter 6, Mark chapter number 6, and let's give our undivided attention to the word. Mark chapter 6, beginning with verse number 14. Now King Herod heard of him for the name and became well known, and he said, John the Baptist is risen from the dead, therefore these powers are at work in him. Others said, it is Elijah. And others said, it is a prophet, one likened to the prophets. But when Herod heard these things, he said, this is John whom I beheaded, and he has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself sent and laid hold of John and bound him for the prisoner's sake of Herodias, his brother's wife, for he had married her. Because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Therefore Herodias heard it and held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just and holy man, and he protected him. And when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. Then there came an opportune time came when Herod, on his birthday, gave a feast for all the nobles, high officials, and chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias, when Herodias' daughter her, herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, Ask me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He also swore to her, Whatever you ask me I will give you up to half of my kingdom. So she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask? And she said, The head of John the Baptist. Immediately she came in with haste to the king and answered, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist. And the king was exceedingly sorrowful. Yet because of the oath and because of those who sat there with him, he did not want to refuse her request. Immediately the king set an executor and commanded his head to be brought. And he went and beheaded him in prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl and the girl gave it to her mother. And when the disciples heard of it, they came and took away the corpse and laid it in a tomb. This morning, just for a few moments, I want to preach on the thought, he's in love with a stripper. You can laugh. He's in love with a stripper. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. I want to be serious, but all of you just chuckling out there. So y'all just need to put on your seatbelts because we're going to take a journey and we're going to look at the life of a stripper. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come to you. We thank you for your word today. Thank you, Father, that your word goes forth in power and in boldness. We pray that everything that's said and everything that's done, Lord, will bring you the glory. We pray, Father, that we would hear your word that we would understand your word, and most of all, we would be Christians that would bear fruit. And everyone said, Amen. February is known as the love month, isn't it? It is in the calendar as a reminder that we need to express love to our loved ones. Because we never know what tomorrow holds. I do believe it's important that we express love to our loved ones and people who are dear to us because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We're unsure of that. But as Christians this morning, the highest priority for all of us is to love God. The Bible says in Matthew 22 and verse 37, Ye shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. 
You see, Jesus was very clear that loving God should be your highest priority. Loving God should be your highest priority. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 22 and verse number 38 that Jesus said this is the first and great commandment. What is the first commandment? And what is the great commandment? I've already read it to you. Jesus said you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart. You should love the Lord your God with all of your soul. And you should love the Lord your God with all of your might, mind, mind or might. In other words, Jesus is saying that this is the first and greatest commandment. There is no other commandment greater than this. There is no other commandment that you should follow that is greater than this. And that is this. You should love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. In other words, Jesus is simply saying, there is no room for divided affections. There is no room for divided affections. If you're going to follow Him, you've got to give total abandonment to Him. There is no divided affections or allegiance. All of it goes to Him. If you're going to love Jesus, you've got to love Jesus recklessly. You've got to abandon yourself and give your all. As a matter of fact, Jesus was very clear in Matthew 6 and 24, and I quote, No man can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one or he will love the other. Either he will be loyal to the one, or he will despise the other, for you cannot serve God and mammon. You see, Jesus is very clear that you've got to make a choice. Who are you going to love more? You're going to love the things of this world more, or you're going to love me more. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Luke 14 and verse 26, Luke 14 verse 26, and Jesus said it like this, If anyone comes to me, and does not hate his mother, and does not hate his wife or his children, his brothers or his sisters. Yes, even his own life, you cannot be my disciple. Jesus further said it like this, and whoever does not bear my cross cannot be my disciple. You know what Jesus is saying here? Jesus is saying you've got to love your wife and your brother and your mother and your husband and your children. You've got to love them less. Jesus didn't mean you hate them, for hate is a strong word. Jesus is saying you've got to love them less. Love them less and love me more. In other words, Jesus said in Luke 14, verse 33, Luke 14, verse 33, So likewise, whoever of you who does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. You see, Jesus is clear that if you're going to follow me, you've got to abandon all. If you're going to love me with all of your heart, if you're going to love me with all your soul and your mind, there's going to be half, there's going to be half this, this total abandonment. You're going to have to give yourself all to me. Now, I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but that's strong language. Do we really love God on that level? How much do you love God? Jesus is saying, if you really want to follow the great commandment, the first and great commandment, and that is this, you've got to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That is the first, and that is the great commandment. There is no other great commandment, there is no other greater commandment than that commandment. And if that is the great commandment, then why are we searching after everything and everybody to fill the void in our life that only God could fill? 
if that is the first and great commandment. Somebody say amen. Loving God means that I give my full allegiance to Him. Loving God means obedience. You see, loving God doesn't mean you go to church or that you do the right disciplines. Loving God simply means surrender and obedience and full allegiance to Christ alone. Now let me ask you something. If the first and great commandment is to love God with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your heart, then how do you love God that way? Because you are here this morning because you do love God, and I believe you. You're here this morning and you brought your family because there's something on the inside of you that wants to please God. There's something on the inside of you that wants to honor God, and you do want to love God. But let me ask you a question. How do you love God that way? What does it mean to fully surrender and have God to be so uh, have God to be so part of your life that you surrender everything to Him? That is strong language. But let me just take a moment and tell you how to love God. It is important for me to tell you to love God, but it's also important for me to tell you how to love God. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. You should love the Lord with all your heart. Everybody shout heart. With all of your soul. Somebody say soul. And with all of your mind. Somebody say mind. Now, let's just look at the word heart. The word heart is actually translated in the Greek as the innermost being, the inward part of an individual, the innermost part of an individual. And that would encompass the person's desires. It would encompass the person's passions and affections and perceptions. It's the inward part of the person. When you speak of a person's heart, you are speaking of their inward being, their innermost being, their thoughts and their motives, their passions and their affections. Jesus said you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart. In other words, you should love the Lord your God with all your thoughts. You should love the Lord your God with all your passions. And you should love the Lord your God with all of your affections. Jesus said you should love the Lord your God with all your heart. But Jesus further said you should love Him with all of your soul. Everybody shout soul. Somebody shout soul. The word soul is the Hebrew word nephesh. Your Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 7, and God breathed into man and man became a living soul. Soul. You see, the word soul does include the word heart, but it is more than the word heart. It is the activity of man. You see, when God breathed into Adam, he became a living soul, but Adam became a living being with the ability to perform and the ability to work and the ability to be active. In other words, the heart, the inward part of a man is the man's desires and passions and affections. But the man's soul is not only his heart, but the man's soul is also what he does. It's his behavior. It's his conduct. It's his actions. So Jesus is very clear. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your thoughts, with all your passions, with all your affections. You should love the Lord your God with your heart and your soul, with your behavior, with your conduct, how you conduct yourself, what you do. In other words, your entire being should be a display of God's love. You should be a billboard of God's love. 
Not only do you think God's love, but you do God's love. Not only do I think it, but I do it. Not only do I think it, but I say it. Can somebody say amen? Loving God is more than what you feel. Loving God is what you do. Somebody shout hallelujah. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. But Jesus said the first commandment, the great commandment, you should love him heart, soul, and mind with your mind or most translations say might. Might is the proper translation, the might, M-I-G-H-T. And might, it's interesting that the word might means very or veryness. It is translated in the Greek as this, power, wealth, and resources. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want you to love me with all of your mind, I want you to love me with all your thoughts and your affections. I want you to love me with everything you do, but I also want you to love me with your wealth and your resources and your talents. Somebody say amen. You see, what does it mean to love God? Ladies and gentlemen, what does it mean to love God? You know what it means to love God? God, Jesus said you should love Him with all of your heart, your soul, and your mind. You should love the Lord with all your passions, with all your affections, with all your will, with all your thoughts. But then you should love the Lord your God with your behavior and your conduct and what you do. But not only should you love the Lord your God with your behavior, but you also should love the Lord your God with your wealth and your money and your time and your resources. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question this morning. How much do you love God? How much do you love Him? Do you love Him with your thoughts, but then you treat your neighbor wrongly? Do you love God with your thoughts, and maybe you treat people good, but you can't let go of the dollar bill? You can't let go of the wealth? You can't love God with the money because, you see, that's what we call perfect love. I don't know about you, ladies and gentlemen, but I want to love God that way. I want to love God with all my heart. I want to love God with all my soul, and I want to love God with all my mind. Is there anybody in the building that can wave your hand and say, I want to love God with everything that I have? Somebody say, praise the Lord. I want to love God with all that I have. You see, it reminds me of a scripture, a scripture that's tucked in the Old Testament. His name is Josiah, one of the greatest kings of Israel. It's the scriptures behind me, but look at the wording of this. 2 Kings 23 and verse 25. 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 25, and I quote, Now before him there was no king like him, who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his mind, might. According to the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. You see, the Bible says that in the Old Testament, there was a guy by the name of King Josiah, and he loved the Lord with all of his heart. He loved the Lord with all of his soul. He loved the Lord God with all of his might. In other words, he loved the Lord with all of his thoughts and passions and affections. He loved the Lord with his behavior and his conduct. And he loved the Lord with his wealth and resources and time and talent. And the Bible says this, there was no king that came after him that was like him. No king loved the Lord, his God, like that. No king. You search the pages of the Old Testament, and ladies and gentlemen, there is no king that loved God as much as King Josiah. 
He loved him with all of his heart. He loved him with all of his soul and with all of his might. And the Bible says no king came after him that was like him. And do you know why no king came after him that was like him? Because loving God is not easy. Loving God is not easy. Oh, it's easy to raise your hands and say you love God. It's easy to put the tithe in, but yet we're filled with lust and perversion and we haven't yet let go of the secret sins of our life. But it's easy to love God with our time and talent. But God is saying, if you really want to love me, I desire all of you, all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your might. And that is what the great, great revivalist John Wesley preached. In the 17th century, he preached the message of perfect love. Perfect love. Let me ask you a question. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to the second time, do you love me, Peter? No, Lord, you know I love you. But the Bible says Jesus said to Peter again, the third time, do you love me, Peter? Peter became upset and vexed and said, Lord, you know I love you. Do you know what Jesus in essence was doing? When Jesus asked Peter the first time, Peter, do you love me? He was saying, Peter, do you love me with your heart? Do you love me with your, do you love me with your thoughts and affections? And then Jesus said, Peter, the second time, do you love me, Peter? Because Jesus said, it's not enough for me to have your thoughts and affections and passions, but do you love me with your behavior, Peter? And the third time, Jesus said to Peter, do you love me, Peter? Jesus asked three times because Jesus said the first commandment, the greatest commandment is threefold. You've got to love me with your heart. You've got to love me with your soul. And you've got to love me with your might. Oh, do you love him, church? It's easy to come to church and say that you love him, but if he asks you to speak to somebody that hurts you, could you step out of your comfort zone and love that person? Could you give up all that you have to follow him? What is the depth of your love? And when you love God with all of your heart, and when you love God with all of your soul, and when you love God with all of your might, that is what we call perfect love. My love is not divided. I don't 50% I don't love God with my heart and yet 30% with my might. My love is not divided. I have perfect love. I love Him with all my heart, soul, and mind. You see, John the Apostle made it clear in 1 John 4 and 8. 1 John 4 and 8. There is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear because fear has torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. John is saying that when you love God, when you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, church, there is no reason to fear if you love God that way. That was a great place for you to clap. There is no fear when you love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, there is no reason to fear what they say about you, what they do about you. If you come on, there is no fear in life when you love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with your very might. There's no fear. So could it be 
The reason that you're plagued with fear is because you haven't yet loved Him with all of your heart. Is it the reason that you're plagued and can't sleep at night and wringing your hands is maybe you haven't yet loved Him with everything? Because when you love Him with everything, when you perfectly love Him, there is no fear because you know your very life and substance is in His hands. Hallelujah. I pray to God that this year you would fall in love with Jesus more than you've ever fallen in love with Him. That you would love Jesus more than you love anything else. Church, let me ask you a question. Do you love Him with everything? Or do you love Him when it's convenient? It's interesting that when you love God, when you love Him, everything works out, don't it? If you really love Him the way He said to be loved, everything works out. For instance, Romans 8 and 28, and we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. No reason to fear, no reason to doubt, no reason to wring your fingers and hands. It's all going to work out if you love Him with all your heart. I hath not seen, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, I hath not seen, neither ear hath heard, neither has it entered the heart of man those things that God has prepared for those who love Him. The Bible says in Psalm 145, verse 20, the Lord preserves all those who love Him, and the wicked shall be destroyed. The Bible says in Psalm 91 and verse 14, because He has set His love upon me, Therefore I will deliver him, and I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 24, Ephesians 6 and verse 24, the Bible says, Grace be with all of you who love the Lord Jesus Christ sincerity. It's sincerely. In other words, did you see all the scriptures I read? Listen to this preacher. If you love God with everything, you love Him with all your heart, soul, and might. If you really love Him, then the scriptures I just read to you states this, that if you love God, He will work everything out for your good. He will prepare good things for you. He will preserve you in the face of your enemy. He will deliver you in the face of your enemy. And He will put grace upon you if you love Him. It reminds me of what Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all of these other things will be added unto you. Do you love Him? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Do you love Him? Hallelujah. I feel the anointing this morning. How many would just raise your hand and say thank you for the anointing this morning? I said, do you love God this morning? Hallelujah. If you love Him, I promise you it works out. Now, the problem, what happens is that we don't love God with everything and our love becomes misplaced. The issue in our lives is misplaced love. Is that right? Misplaced love. If you don't love God with everything, guess what? You will begin to find something to love. Because you were created to love and to be loved. And if you don't love the right thing, you will be drawn to love the wrong thing. 
Oh my God, I'm going to say that again. If you don't love the right thing, you will be drawn to love the wrong thing. What's wrong? Why is it that people do this and that and don't put God first? They have misplaced their love on something else besides loving God with everything. And we come to the story this morning, the story that we've all heard before. A great man by the name of John the Baptist, and the Bible says that his head was, was chopped off, and it was chopped off because of Herod. It's an interesting story, but a story that reveals great truth, that when you don't love God with everything, it's easy to misplace your love on something else and fall into lust. Because the opposite of true love is always lust. Because love is to benefit others at the expense of yourself, while lust is to benefit yourself at the expense of others. When you don't love God, your heart will be turned to lust. Lust over wrong things. Lust over wrong people. Lust over the counterfeit thing. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's among us. There's always a battle over your heart. There's always a battle over who you will love. And if we're not careful, your love will be misplaced on the wrong stuff and you'll start lusting over things that you should never lust over. Because you're not loving who needs to be loved. You see, the Bible says, let me give you three points. The Bible says, number one, let's look at the man before the stripper. The man before the stripper. No, no, let's just look at it. Number one, the man before the stripper. Who is the man? The man is Herod. Herod. King Herod, as a matter of fact. And the Bible says, let's look at it. Mark chapter number 6. Mark chapter number 6 and verse number 14. Mark 6 verse 14. Do you see that phrase right there? Mark chapter 6 and verse number 14. Now King Herod. Here is a king. The Bible says, just keep the scripture up there, brother. The Bible says he's a king. Would you shout out a king? Now, he is not Herod the Great. Herod the Great is actually his father. This is Herod Antipas. He is the son of Herod the Great. And history tells us that King Herod is, a, is the king over a Galilean providence. So this man is wealthy. He is a king. His father was Herod the Great. So not only is he a king, but he comes from a royal descendant, so to speak. So you see the man's position, don't he? His position is that he is a king, the son of Herod the Great. He's a very important man. So number one, you see the man's position, the man's position. The man's position is that Herod is a king. Number two, you see the man's perception, the man's perception. Look at verse number 20, verse number 20, verse number 20. Look at verse 20, Mark 6, verse 20. For Herod feared John, knowing that it was a just and holy man. He protected him, and when he heard him, he did many things and heard him gladly. So let me tell you something. This king, this king loved John. He loved hearing about John. This king thought John was a holy man. This king thought this man was a just man. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that Herod gladly heard the words of John the Baptist. Hmm. Here is a king that loves to hear John the Baptist. He respected him. He feared him. But not only do you see the man's position, he's a king. Not only do you see the man's 
perception is that he feared John, he loved John, but you see the man has a problem. Because verse number 17, verse number 17, Mark 6 and verse 17, for Herod himself sent and laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother's Philip's wife, for he married her. Hmm, what's his problem? Guess what Herod did? Herod went to his brother and took his wife, his brother Philip. He took his wife, he took his sister-in-law and married her. That's the problem. And guess what John did? Verse number 18, thank God for men of God who still speak the truth. Mark 6 and verse 18, because John had said to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Look at verse number 19. Therefore Herodias held it against him and wanted to kill him, but she could not. So what was the problem? Herod is a king. Herod loved John. Herod thought and feared, feared John and respected John until John spoke against Herod and said, what you're doing, Herod, is wrong. You went and took your brother's wife, and now you are married to her, and that's not lawful. And he began to speak against it, and therefore Herodias, Herodias is now Herod's wife. And she held it against him. She was bitter. She wanted to kill him, but she couldn't get to him because of the crowd, because of the status that he held. And she couldn't get to him because her husband loved to listen to John. Oh, but you've got to be careful who you marry. Because she was in to get John. Oh, John was preaching that hell fire and brimstone message and said to Herodias and said to Herod, what you're doing is not lawful, it's sinful. Herod threw him in prison. But Herodias, the wife, said, I'm going to get you, John. We're going to get you. We're going to get you in the end. You see, I'm sure Herod was between, I mean, just think about it. He was between the bed of Herodias and the cell of John the Baptist. He loved listening to John the Baptist. He feared him. He knew he was a man of God. But at the same time, his wife was in the background speaking words to him. King, are you going to let him disrespect you? Are you going to let him speak against you like that? Are you going to let him come against you like that? And King Herod was pulled between the bed of his wife and the cell of John the Baptist. You've got to be careful who you listen to. I don't care how they're related to you. I don't care even if they are your spouse. You better be careful what you listen to. So, you see, the man, the man before the stripper, that's Herod, the, Herod, King Herod, but now you see the mess behind the stripper. Because what happens here, I'm almost done, don't lose me, I'm almost done. The mess behind the stripper. The mess. What was the mess? Well, look at it. Mark chapter number 6 and verse number 21. Mark chapter 6 and verse 21. If you're with me, say amen. Now look at this. Mark chapter number 6 and verse number 21. Look at it. 
Is it behind me? Look at it. Then an opportune time came when Herod on his birthday gave a feast to the nobles, high officers, and chief men of Galilee. And when Herodias' daughter her herself came in and danced and pleased Herod and those who sat with him, the king said to the girl, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. And he swore to her, whatever you ask, I'll give to you half of my kingdom. So she went into her mother and said, what shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. So what is the mess? The mess is number one, there's a special day. And you know what the special day was? It was his birthday. And you know what he did? He called all the men the Bible says in verse number 21, he called all the chief nobles and high officers. He didn't call the women. He called all the men. They're at his birthday celebration. And as they're all drinking it up and living it up, all of a sudden in the back room, the doors swing open. And a girl comes into the room and she begins to dance. The Greek word dance here is the word for repetitive motion or shameless motion. In other words, she was a stripper in modern day language. She came in, stripped off of her clothes, and did a repetitive dance in front of the king and in front of all of his friends. Now ladies and gentlemen, what's wrong with this story? Because the girl that's dancing in front of him is actually his niece. He married his brother's wife. And his wife, Herodias, sent her daughter in. And she began to take her clothes off and dance in front of the king. She was a niece biologically, but by adultery, she's the stepdaughter. And John the Baptist said, oh, this is disgusting. This is not, this is sinful. And she comes in, she begins to strip and does this repetitive motion. And the Bible says it pleased him. Now this wasn't a table dance. This was a dance. This wasn't, I'll throw you a little 20 and I'll throw you a little 30 and I'll give you a little $20 bill if you do this little dance. No, she came in and she danced and the Bible says it pleased everyone in the room and it pleased the man, Herod, to the point. He looked at her and said, what do you want? I'll give you half of my kingdom because that's what lust does. Lust will cause you to give it all away for a one-night stand. danced. She stripped right before the king and all of his friends. And it pleased him. And it pleased all of the men. You know why this is perversion? Not only was it his niece, not only was it his stepdaughter by adultery, but you know Herodias, his wife, you know she set it up. The Bible says in verse 19 she held something against John. She's the one that sent her daughter in. Do you know why I know that? Because after she did the dance, she went back to her mother and said, I can ask for anything, Mama. That mother said, go get the head of John the Baptist. She was a minor. Most theologians believe she was 14 to 17 years of age. Why? It's indicated that she wouldn't ask her mother. She was still under the influence of her mother. Most theologians believe she was just a young woman. And if that's the case, that's exactly what's happening in America today. Our children is being exploited. 
our children. There's sex trafficking. Come on, it's, right, it's happening right under our nose while we go to church and sit in our church seats under nice cathedrals. Come on, and stained glass windows. Our very children is being molested and being trafficked to perverted and, 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 and disgusting individuals who's possessed by evil spirits who take pleasure in such things. So she danced. Listen, this man wasn't on the down low. This man was low down. She danced for her stepfather. And it pleased him. And you know what? Not only was there a special day, not only was there a stepdaughter, but there was a stupid decision. Because after she got done dancing, he said, what do you want, baby? Ask me anything and I'll give it to you. She said, he said, I'll even give you half of my kingdom. Half? Half of the kingdom? Because that's what you do when you're infiltrated with lust. You don't think right. Because when you don't love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, it's possible that you'll begin to lust after things you never thought you would lust after. In closing, you see the man before the stripper you see the mess behind the stripper, and now you see the murder because of the stripper. The Bible says she went to her mother, and what did her mother do? Go ask for the head of John the Baptist. And she left, and she went back to the king and said, give me the head of John the Baptist. You see, you know what the point is? You know what the point is? John the Baptist died because of Herod's stupid decision. He's the one that said to the girl, I'll give you anything you ask, anything, even half of my kingdom. Because of that stupid decision the king made, John the Baptist had to die. And if we don't love God with everything we have, it's possible that our heart can be pulled to other things. And we will lust after things we know that is forbidden by God. And we will make decisions that in the end we knew it was stupid because our heart was drawn to things that we know it should have never been drawn to because our love was misplaced. And it can happen to any of us. So what does this story teach us? You can fall in love with a stripper if your heart is not in the right place. May God add the blessing to the preaching of the Word of God.